Welcome to the C3 Coffs Harbour podcast. Today's message is a recording from our online service. To join our online church community, visit c3ch.online.church and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Enjoy the message. Hey church, as you can see, uh, we are filming today from our brand new set um, that we have put so much time and effort into to freshen our online church experience for everybody. And uh, our worship crew, a handful, have come in and recorded a bunch of brand new songs for us to worship to. And um, and we were going to set to launch all that today for us in, in a brand new way. Um, but today, we're going to take a different approach. Um, I felt with what's happening in the world at the moment, in particular with America and, and everything going on there, I felt it irresponsible of me and um, insensitive if I didn't speak into this and allow you to hear my voice and hear my heart in this moment. And, and so all the stuff we usually do with the beautifully edited worship, uh, the fun get to know you moments and, and the cool little bits and pieces in between that we've come to love of online church, all that will be back next week, uh, bigger and better than ever. But, uh, but for today, I really wanted to start a conversation about a raw issue that I believe as the church, we cannot afford to turn a blind eye to. So I pray that you would receive this well, um, that you would hear my heart and join me in a united response to, a, to an issue that simply should not exist. Uh, so my message today will be a little bit different. I'll be looking at Romans 5. I will be addressing that because we're actually up to Romans chapter 5 as the series would go. Um, but I won't be do, drilling into the, 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 the detail of the text. I'll be drawing out to get a bird's eye view of what Paul is saying. So let's start by um, reading Romans chapter 5 verse 1 to verse 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we, while still enemies of God, were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so in these 11 verses, these 11 few verses, Paul speaks no less than 25 times in a unifying plural tense. Our, we, um, us, this, this collective text of drawing people in together, uh, especially in God's family as the Imago Dei, the image of God, which every single, single human being has been created in. 
This is why he would then continue in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, to say that there is no, no, no longer any Jew, no longer any Greek, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. I, I rarely, if ever, um, speak on political issues. Um, I have my opinions, but I never use my platform to voice these opinions. And purely because um, I believe that my platform as a pastor is not to promote my own political persuasions, but my platform as a pastor is to promote the gospel, to promote the love of God through the, the, the accomplishment of what Jesus did on the cross. That, that's my job. But today, I really wanted to spend a moment speaking into um, the current issues that we find ourselves facing in this world. Um, I want to address an issue that, that spits in the face of the gospel, and I believe God finds deeply offensive in his heart, and that is the issue of racism. Um, in, a, in a world that is so adamant about um, giving people um, equality based on whatever lifestyle choice they choose to make, why are we not so adamant on, on pushing for equality for people who have different colored skin or come from a different ethnic background than us? After all, we never um, chose the color of our skin, but we enjoy the life that we have. And, and, and they didn't choose the color of their skin, but for some reason they enjoy a different quality of life and quality of opportunity than us. And as the church, I think it's important that we step in and speak in regards to this matter. What is happening right now in America is, is tragic. Um, the senseless killing of black people for no apparent reason is incomprehensible and barbaric. Um, the subsequent riots and civil unrest is completely understandable, but surely this is not the answer on a sustainable long-term basis to, to fix this issue. Um, systematic racism is a big ship that needs to be turned and will take time. My prayer is that the momentum started in these recent times will carry this cause to completion and black people will experience the equality of opportunity that they deserve, which in, in my opinion is a basic human right for everybody. I'm the first to admit I fully do not understand, nor will I probably ever fully understand, the pain that black people have undergone throughout history, um, both in America and across the globe, and especially right here in our own backyard with our indigenous uh, brothers and sisters. Um, and I know that um, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Australia have had a very painful past and indeed a painful present. Um, and I'm quite frankly embarrassed by my lack of understanding, um, my lack of involvement in intentionally helping these people in my local community. And I'm even more embarrassed that it's taken the dramatic events of what's happened in America to really allow me to, to stand to attention for these issues in my own backyard. So I say all of that to say that I'm committing to try harder to acknowledge, um, to try harder to understand and to try to try harder to empathize with the indigenous people of our country. In this regard, I'm reminded what the scriptures say in James chapter 1 verse 9 that um, we ought to be uh, fast to listen and slow to speak. And that's certainly something that I want to start to really commit to in, in my life, um, and especially in regards to, to racial matters. Um, I, I don't have the answers, nor do I ever think I, I will have all the answers, um, but I want to learn and I want to listen. I want to try harder to understand these issues and be willing to be part of the solution, whatever that might be. 
Um, as most of you would be aware, this past week in Australia has been National Reconciliation Week. Um, and this is an initiative for all Australians to learn about um, our shared histories, cultures and achievements and to explore how each of us can contribute to achieving reconciliation right here in Australia. The dates for the National Reconciliation Week are the same every year, the 27th of May to the 3rd of June, uh, because these dates commemorate two significant milestones in our nation's reconciliation journey. And they are the uh, 1967 referendum that was successful for Indigenous people and also the uh, High Court Mabo decision, respectively. So those two dates mark the week that we uh, have this Reconciliation Week. Um, National Reconciliation Week started as a week of prayer for reconciliation in 1993, which just happened to be the international year of the indigenous people of the world. And it was supported by all uh, Australia's major faith communities. In 1996, the Council for Aboriginal Reconciliation launched Australia's first ever National Reconciliation Week, which means that this week we celebrated um, the 24th annual Reconciliation Week. So, so what does the having this week uh, mean? What 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 are they? What are we hoping to achieve from this week? Well, there are five dimensions that um, that we see from the reconciliation.org.au website for reconciliation in Australia, and they're committed to five things. The first is race relations, uh, where all Australians understand and value Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and non-Indigenous cultures their rights and their experiences, which, in result, which results in stronger relationships based on trust and free of all racism. The second thing is equality and equity, that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples participate equally in a range of life opportunities and uh, the unique rights of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are recognised and upheld. The third is institutional integrity, which is the active support of reconciliations by the nation's political, business and community structures. The fourth is unity, an Australian society that values and recognises Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and heritages as a proud part of our shared national identity. And the fifth is historical acceptance, that all Australians understand and accept the wrongs of the past and the impact, their impact on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, that Australia makes amends for past policies and their practices to ensure that these things never happen again. So what is all of this, what has all of this got to do with you and I? What has all of this got to do with the church? Well, put really simply, if we love God and care about God, then we need to love and care about what God loves and what God cares about. So what does God love and what does God care about? People, regardless of race, regardless of um, nation of origin, God cares for people. Jesus died on the cross for people. Full stop, exclamation point, no exceptions, no if, buts or maybes. People in, in all shapes and sizes. God's kingdom is not white. God's kingdom is for all people. Um, we just read in, in Romans 5, verse 1 to 11, um, how Paul over and over emphasizes uh, his point by using unifying um, plurality in his language, this us, our, we language all throughout this text, and then reaffirms that in Galatians 3, where it says there is no longer Greek, nor Jew, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female. There's this constant theme that Paul is trying to get across, that, that we are all one in Christ. 
Um, and I want to draw attention really specifically to the, to the last verse in Romans we just read in chapter 5, verse 11, where Paul writes, But we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And yes, contextually and biblically, what Paul is writing here is a reconciliation between God and man, and that because of what Jesus did, he bridged the gap um, that existed between God and humanity, and, and so now there is a reconciliation in Christ. Um, but but that's, that's definitely a macro view of, of the reconciliation that Paul is teaching about. But I think in seeing it in its macro view, we must commit to its outworking on a micro view. And that if God has reconciled us to him, then we ought to um, make the effort to, to, to reconcile ourselves with other people. And Jesus himself teaches this concept in Matthew 10 verse 8, where he says, Freely you have received, so then freely you should give. And if you and I have freely received reconciliation to God um, by the forgiveness of our sin and He's freely pouring out His grace to us, if we have freely received that, then we have a, an obligation to, to all of humanity to freely pour out grace and mercy and tolerance and acceptance and, and be on the front foot of reconciliation with other people on this planet, regardless of where they come from, regardless of their nationality, and, and certainly regardless of the color of their skin. Um, earlier this week, I was privileged to um, sit down and have a, a conversation with Scott Darlow, uh, who is an indigenous man based in Melbourne, who is a, a singer-songwriter. He's recorded a bunch of al albums. He speaks to over 100,000 people every single year all over the globe, uh, speaking a message of hope and reconciliation. And so I was able to sit down with him and just ask him a few questions about um, this particular topic and, and, and ask him about how we as the church um, can, can get more involved in being part of the solution rather than burying our head, head in the sand and, and pretending like it doesn't exist. And so um, I would love you to just to see uh, that conversation that we had this week. Um, well, thank you, Scott, for joining us today for uh, this little chat. Um, you are a prolific songwriter, uh, recording artist, um, recorded, I think, four albums to date. Um, you speak all over the world. Um, and a lot of your work is in Indigenous activism, um, which is awesome. And before we get started into, into what you do, just tell us a little connection you have with C3 Cops. Yeah, so it's funny that um, how, how things work and um, how God works, I guess. Um, <coughs> excuse me. The old Rona. Uh, thanks for having me, by the way. We'll um, have that out. <laughs> Yeah. Now leave that in, Peter. Love it. Um, so yeah. So my name's Scott Darlow. I'm a singer-songwriter. That's my occupation. Um, and yeah, the, the, I live in Melbourne, but my connection to you guys is is, is pretty strong. I think I was just saying before that um, when I was about 16, I went to youth camp, and the, the guest preacher was Jeff Reynolds, who who founded your church. He prayed over me on that camp and, and spoke into my life, and that was a really significant time for me. Um, and then I met my wife a few years later and she mentioned that she'd been pastored by this guy as a youth pastor called Sean Foster. Uh, and so when we first started touring, Sean had been really instrumental in Dana's journey as well. And so we first started touring. We came up and drove, did a drive from Melbourne to the, the Sunshine Coast actually to play at a festival, a couple of festivals. And um, we stopped in Coffs and we, I think we might have even played at the church and hung out with Sean and 
Um, and on that very first tour, just starting out real green and we didn't know really what we are doing, but um, we, we met this guy who helped us after our gig at the Coffs Hotel. He, he stayed behind the pub till one in the morning and helped us load out. Um, and we became best mates ever since. His name's Pete Crawford. Uh, and Pete and his beautiful now wife, Emily. Um, and, yeah, so Pete to this day is one of, one of my most dearest friends and whenever I can get him out of coughs and out onto the road, I get him with me playing in my band. Um, it's not as often as it I'm sorry? He's covered all over the world with you doing shows. And he has, yeah. Look, I, I would have him all the time if I could, but um, there's not enough waves in half the places we go, so <laughs> unfortunately we can't seem to get him. But, yeah, he's been to China with me. He's been to Hong Kong with me, Macau. Um, he's been over to Melbourne doing shows. He, he um, Yeah, last year he came and helped me. Late last year we did um, some shows with Eskimo Joe and, on, and with Jimmy Barnes as well around the country, and he came out and played on a couple of those shows. Um yeah, so, yeah, a lot of love for you guys and particularly for Pete and Emily and now Phoenix and Ryder. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, I've got to be honest with you, Church. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed because I explained to Pete and Emily that the name Darlow is a unisex name. Yeah. You know, and I was pushing, I was really pushing hard for Ryder to be Darlow Crawford, but that didn't oh. that didn't. I think I think it was on the shortlist. I'm pretty sure it was on the top. Oh, list. I'm pretty sure it was, but you know, yeah. the shortlist doesn't count if it doesn't end up making. Well, you have to have another one, and then you know, third time's a charm. Yeah, get yeah. going, Crawford. Get going. <laughs> hey, listen, I just wanted to um to have a quick chat to you um about you know current issues. Um, yeah, I guess a lot of this is sparked by um unfortunately what's happening in America right now with uh, a lot of the unease and the protesting and that's resulted yes. in a lot of violence and stuff like that and um obviously you know black people in america have had a pretty hard time historically and still do to this day um i guess first of all i'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on that sort of thing mm. and then sort of talking into um stuff that maybe is a little bit closer to home with our own indigenous community in australia yeah well yeah firstly um it's heartbreaking to see what's happening in America. And, and look, having spent a lot of time in America, we lived there for a couple of years and we toured there a lot. Um, it's a beautiful place and I love the people there, but they are very broken. Mm. Um, when you, you know, I think where I really first got it was when I went to the Virginia War Museum and understood that 90% of their problems to this day, in my opinion, uh, come from a place of, of just slavery and what that meant. And you've got to understand that this is a country that in the 1970s still had segregated education. You know, so their history is like ours, is very young. So, you know, when we look at what's happening there, you've got a group of people, a very large group of people who have been held down and abused and treated as subhuman for a very long time and continue to be, and the stats back that up. And, you know, it's 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 bottled up, bottled up, bottled up, and now it's exploding. And, and look, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, but it's a very, very sad situation, and I really am praying that they get the equality that they deserve. What, what's upsetting me through it and what's really frustrating me through it, Justin, if I can be this candid, is it's sort of a, it's a double-edged sword. It's been wonderful to see all these people in Australia getting on board with the Black Lives Matter and they change their Facebook and their Instagram to black squares and all that stuff, and that's fantastic. But the truth of it is it's a little bit galling because, man, we've got our own backyard that is just as, as, as abhorrent. And if I can be really this blunt, Justin... Most people in the church around Australia couldn't, uh, either they don't care or they're uninformed about it. 
You know, right now in Australia, Aboriginal men continue to die eight years plus younger than every other demographic from preventable disease and suicide. 70, from my experience, I spend time in, in juvenile prisons as part of my job and, and 70%, from my experience, 70% of the kids in jails around this country are Indigenous. We make up 3% of the population. And, and the reason that our jails are full of blackfellas is because of the history of this country. You know, I spent a day last year, Justin, in a prison in Townsville, Queensland, where 100 out of 103, so 103 kids in the prison, 100 were Indigenous. Wow. Let that sink in. And we're talking about kids as young as 10, and they are in a three-by-four-metre cell with one bed and one toilet, no sheet or no toilet seat so they can't hang themselves. They're let out from 7am to 7pm. It is brutal. Wow. You know, and what breaks my sorry? This is Australia, Queensland. This is Queensland, mate. And they've got them in. I played the same in Redfern. Sorry, not in Redfern. In Bankstown, there's a prison there, Reby Creek. Mate, this is in your backyard. You know, the reality is right. And 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 I say this with respect. If all of the Christians, Christians in Australia, decided that they were going to do something about First Nation plight, I would probably be out of a job in ten years. You know, and, and this is my frustration with the church. You know, I, I'm very, my profile is getting higher and higher if I can say that without being a jerk, right? And I get, I mean, I've had radio interviews. I've had people ring me all week about this stuff. Yeah. Radio, I've got a new single coming out next week, which hopefully is going to be uh, significant in, in this space on radio and, and stuff. And and I get asked, are you a Christian? And I'm embarrassed about that question, man. I'm embarrassed because Honestly, where, where my answer in that lies now is I turn around and go, you know, I'm a bit like Gandhi. You know, they ask Gandhi that question about, you know, what does he think? And he goes, you know, I love this Jesus fella. He's amazing. I'm not so sure about his followers. Yeah. Because I look at the scripture and when I read the, when I read the scriptures, Justin, I see in the, in, in the New Testament, in Matthew, and for me this is the crux of the message of Christ, right? Jesus is hanging out with his mates and the Pharisees come up and they're trying to get him arrested. They're trying to get him locked up because they're sick of him making them look bad. And, and, and they say to him, teacher, what's the most important commandment in the whole Bible? And Jesus turns around and he says to him, the first is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Right? We know that. You know, we know that response. What we often ignore is the second sentence. The second sentence says, the second is like it. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. And just to really hammer it home, he then follows up with all the other words of all the other prophets and all the other commandments hang on this. Now, if we break that down, what he's saying is loving your neighbour as much as you love yourself is as important as loving God. That's how big this is, yeah. right? You want to be a follower of Jesus. When I first got saved, I was in my early 20s, right? And I remember this follower at the church. His name was Ken Jeffries. He was an old elder, Ken Jeffries. He's now no longer with us. But he looked at me and he goes, Scott, if you want to be a follower of Jesus as opposed to a Christian, Go through the first four chapters of the New Testament, everything in red that Jesus says or all the examples he sets, make a synopsis, write them down, and then compare your life. You know, the reason that this, this country has fallen apart, the reason America's fallen apart is because we've got a whole bunch of Christians and not as many people who are followers of Jesus, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Right? So if, if we were to, as a church, forget everyone else, if we as a church were to just go, right, let's really love our neighbour as much as we love ourselves. Bike followers around this country would be light years ahead. So there's two things, and, 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 I, and I know I'm preaching at you here, man, but this is, this is I believe, if you want to see revival, like it does my head in when I see churches praying for revival, God, God, give us more. I feel like God's sitting there going, mate, don't ask me for more. You haven't even taken care of the backyard I've given you. So you know, if we're fair income about this and black lives do matter, 
then the church in Australia needs to pull their finger out and be a leading light yeah. in making this right. Yeah. So there's two things you've got to do if you're fair income. Yeah. And if you're not, that's cool. If you want to just keep playing church and rocking up and singing your songs and going home and being comfortable, that's cool. Just do that. Mm. But um, I don't I, knowing Pete and Emily, and I know how much their heart is, and they tell me great things about you. I know that that's not the fabric of Coffs Harbour C3. That's not who you guys are. Yeah. So this is why I'm excited to talk to you because I know that you're a church who actually get this stuff. Yeah. There's two things we've got to do. Number one, we've got to be educated, right? Yeah. Now, I could stand in front of that room today. I'm, I can't because of corona. I could ask you guys this question. How many of you can tell me who is the man on the $1 bill in America? Do you know the answer to that? George who is he? Who's got his place? George Washington. All right. What's the name of the man on the $50 note in Australia? I can't pronounce it. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know who it is? Have you got any idea? I'll, I'll just say no. I'm not saying that to embarrass you, Justin. The point of the matter is we are more passionate and educated about other countries than we are about our own. I can stand in front of 200-year-10 kids in a school and go, how many of you can tell me, uh, have you heard of Nelson Mandela? Have you heard of Martin Luther King? They all have. I go, have you heard of, do you know who Sir Douglas Nichols is? Do you know who Sir Douglas Nichols is? Was? No. No. The AFL renamed their Indigenous round after him. It gets spoken about every year. He was the first ever Aboriginal man knighted. He was a pastor of the Church of Christ. He was the first ever Aboriginal governor in this country's history. He's the governor of South Australia. He did amazing things, right? He started the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, which then went all over Australia so Aboriginal people could get legal representation. Like, he did all these crazy things that were incredible, and we don't even know who he is. So, number one, if you want to actually make a difference, get educated. Be responsible for your own education and learn the totality of our history as a country because yeah. at the moment it's whitewashed, right? So there's a great resource. If you guys haven't used it, you need to get onto it, australianstogether.org.au. It's a Christian resource that's free, funded by a philanthropist for churches in this space. Okay. Australians Together. So be responsible for your learning. And secondly, look for NGOs that are doing this stuff, right? So World Vision Australia have got a fantastic program called the Australia Program. The David Warp Hunter Foundation is out of Perth, but they're national helping kids get through school. There's a number of things we can do. So that's, I know I've gone on a bit, but that's where this is at. This is a serious thing. And if we're really going to follow Jesus, if we're really going to love our neighbour as we love ourselves, we've got to start with our own backyard. 100%. And I think, you know, I'm standing here today humbled um, and to be perfectly honest, embarrassed that um, it's it's taken such a, a crisis in America, which we are so much more familiar with, to mm. awaken me to the fact that hold on a minute, there's so much to do here, um, and we can we can mm. put ourselves, you know, on, on the activist bandwagon for what's happening over there, and, and maybe we should, but not at the expense of what's happening here. And so that's, I guess, where I'm at right now as a, as a pastor, as a leader, as a, as a man, as a human, um, to sort of go, you know what, I, I need to be far less passive and uninformed, and actually lead our church into a place where. We can understand the issues that are that are right here in our own backyard, and and then do something about it. And I think what you've spoken into is, yeah. you know, nailing me exactly on the inside because that's what Jesus would do. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, reality is right that education brings understanding, and understanding brings empathy. Empathy is what will change. Mm. You know. Um, so, you know, it's a bit like when you speak to a room full of high school kids and you go, how many of you think the date of Australia Day should be changed? Half of them put their hands up, but the other half that don't put their hands up, I turn around and go, right, well, let's talk about that. 
you know, and when you explain to them that, like, I'm an Aboriginal man, right? And one of the things that you've got to understand is, you know, what we want to do, and I get it as humans, we want to put each other into tiny little boxes, right? We're going to understand things simply, simply. So people will go, oh, you're Aboriginal. Oh, what part are you? You know, what percentage are you? Now, that's a dumb question. Being Aboriginal is kind of like being pregnant. You can't be part pregnant. You can't be part Aboriginal. It's about your relationships, right? So my mum's Aboriginal. That makes me Aboriginal. Yeah. I'm not part of my mum's son. I'm 100% like, yeah. so just because you're Aboriginal doesn't mean you're not something else, right? So there's this idea of, you know, what I, my dad's family was Scottish convicts, come to Australia in the 1850s for stealing fruit, right? So I'm Aboriginal, but I'm also Australian from Scottish descent. Yeah. And, and no, you know, like for Emily Crawford, who was born in America, she's Australian, but she's also American. She gets the beauty of both of those cultures, not like you to pick one or the other. Right, so for, for for me as an Aboriginal man, I'm sitting here just looking at it, going, um, we're all in this together, and I love this country. You are all my brothers and sisters. I dead said I love this joint, and I want to have a day where I can celebrate how good this country is. I want to take my t-shirt off. I want to wave around the air, Australia, get a Southern Cross tattoo. Just kidding, they are for bogans. But I'm never going to have that party on January the 26th because that's the date my family was literally raped and murdered. That is a day of mourning and a sad day. Yeah. I want to celebrate with you, but I can't do it on that day. Yeah. And I, I really pray that one day we're mature enough to go, you know what, we're all mates, we're all brothers and sisters, let's, let's have it on a different day. Yeah. Now, I reckon we have it on May the 8th. May 8th, most Australian date ever, oh. May 8th. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, but, you know, when you explain it like that to people, honestly, 90% of people go, you know what, yeah, I get it, man. Yeah. Empathy, it's all about Education leads to understanding, understanding leads to empathy, and then all of a sudden, yeah, let's change. That's awesome. So, yeah, we've got to be responsible for our own education. Hey, on, the, on the empathy thing, that's awesome because that works into your um, flute. Uh, My acronym, yeah. Can you just talk well, about that? Yeah, so every, every time I get to speak to audiences all over the world, um, I, I challenge them to be history makers and to change their communities and radically change them. And the way that I suggest you do that is by having a flute lens so that means every day you get out of bed and you have this lens that is flute oriented now flute is an acronym stands for forgiveness love understanding tolerance and empathy and i truly believe that each person who decides to show more of those things in their mindset to every person they encounter will be a history maker you know really quickly forgiveness is so key man like I was, I, I tell the story, when I was a kid, my daddy, he got me a job in a nursing home. I was 14 and for two years I worked with my best mate in a nursing home feeding elderly patients who couldn't feed themselves. And it was a hectic job, man. Like they'd get old and die on you and you'd get these relationships. And then the, it was the best thing ever though because it taught me the value of, of wisdom and of elderly people. But also what I came to realise was that young, miserable, bitter, angry people turning to old, miserable, bitter, angry people. And all of them miserable, old, bitter people have one thing in common, they didn't forgive. Wow. You know, we get told, you know, as a kid, oh, forgive your brother, be the bigger person. We've got to start forgiving all the people in our lives that have hurt us even this much because when you don't forgive someone, you take a little bit of cancer yeah. and you put it in here and then you put more in and more. Forgiveness is key. Awesome. You know, L is for love, which... There's a lot of kind of love we could talk about, but I, I like to focus on random acts of kindness. Yeah. You know, how good do you feel when you do it? It doesn't have to be a big deal. It can be opening a door for someone. Like I fractured my ankle last year at under 11's basketball training. I don't want to go into it. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be 
<laughs> I was trying to dunk on a 10-year-old. It ended up very bad. But anyway, the next day, right, I'm, I'm feeling miserable because I'm thinking, do I have to have surgery? I can't stand on guitar on stage and play guitar. All my mates are sending me photos of Dave Grohl when he broke his leg and he's up on a big throne just laughing at me. And Oh, man. Anyway, I rocked up to Macca's to get some comfort food, you know. As you do. And, um, as you do. I'm in the drive-thru. And um, I go to pay for my family box on my own. And uh, and the ch- no judgment, the girl, no judgment. The girl on the drive-thru goes, "Oh, that's been paid for." Wow. I said, "What are you talking about?" She goes, "The car in front of you wanted to just do a random act. They paid for your food." And mate, honestly, I burst into tears. Wow. It was like God going, "Mate, it's all going to be all right." I mean, also, I was spewing. I never ordered more food, but um, <laughs> two family boxes. <laughs> but, you know, it's such an amazing thing to do for people. And when you're the person who, who does the kindness, it just makes you, it uplifts you. 100%. Forgiveness, love. Understanding, you know, like I said before, when we understand the history and the reasons, and I can promise you everything that happens on this planet, there's always a reason. Yeah. Sometimes it's not obvious, but if you search, the reason's always there. If you can look and find out the reasons, be educated and understand, understand why things are the way they are. It doesn't excuse illegal or bad behaviour, yeah. but it certainly helps you to forgive and to love. Understanding is super crucial. And T is for tolerance, the ability to put up with things or people that upset or annoy you. Now, when you show tolerance, what you're really doing is going, I know you're wrong. I know I'm right. You ever notice that, how much people love to be right? Some dudes dudes I know would sooner be right than have friends. But honestly, when you're able to go, I'm just going to forgive you immediately. I won't let things escalate to that level where I'm going to get a, did you do and smash you and run real fast? You know, when you can just totally lay it down, forgive them, move on, you don't let the cancer in. Yeah. Now, that said, you've still got to have good boundaries. Sometimes you might forgive someone and never see them again, right, because they may be no good for you or whatever. Forgiveness is what happens in your head and your heart when you think about somebody. And I want to encourage you guys that showing tolerance, it just it's pouring water on a grass fire instead of petrol. And I wonder how many of the marriages within our congregations could be even better with just that much more tolerance in them. Oh, I think I think on the, I think that's probably one thing that we really, as as the church, struggle with because we have this issue: if someone doesn't think the way we think, behave the way we behave, uh, yeah. believe what we believe, all of a sudden there's this friction between us, and we can't find yeah. a ground to. Yeah, um, it's like oh, we're not on the same team. It's all team oriented. But you know oh, what? We've got to get past that. We've got yeah. to be. We've got to get past that. Yeah. And if we approach every and approach every relationship with this lens and then finally the last word which is most key is e for empathy how would i feel if it was me you know for me as an aboriginal person i sit here and go you know i'm i'm angry that it's come to this but on the same token justin i i couldn't possibly expect you to understand the journey that we have had because you haven't lived it and i need to put myself in your shoes as a you know as a young good-looking pastor in coffs harbour who's not an aboriginal man you know and understand that that's your journey Empathy is really important. So, yeah, that's that's how we move, I believe. That's how. And, you know, the truth of it is, man, flute, all it is is a practical way to live out that great commandment of loving your neighbour as you love yourself. Right. If you've got that lens on with every person you encounter, you're just doing what Jesus commanded. Yeah, 100%. That is brilliant, man. That's, that's you know, you, you seem to have captured the exact um, heartbeat of what's going on inside of me and what I want our church moving forward and, and I have no doubt this is going to be a, a long road ahead. This is not, you know, a ship that's easily turned, but we want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And, um, and I think being silent is being part of the problem. And so we just 100%. commit to being informed, um, to learning more 
um, being yeah. more empathetic um, and, and trying to, to create that, um, yep. you know, the, the equal. Yeah, and prayer. And prayer. We've got to pray as well. We've got to pray. Um, but, you know, look for practical things in your community that you guys can do for Aboriginal kids. I mean, and I don't say this to be judgmental, but, like, you know, you got you got a lot of kids going to school up there in Tormina, right? Is there a breakfast program at that school? Yeah. No, Is there not. a breakfast program at the bus? No, it's probably not. You know, there's a lot of things that we should... I mean, personally, I look at it and go, not one school in Australia should be not having a breakfast program yeah. and open to, to families as well. Yeah. And not for any reason, not not with an agenda of let's grow our youth group, not with an agenda of let's try and evangelise. We're not even going to put any literature out. We're just going to stand there and love people because that's what we're called to do. How can we roll up our sleeves and physically, tangibly love our communities? Yeah, yeah. that's it, man. Totally. Yeah. So, look, thank you so much for your time. I really, no, really yes. appreciate it. You are amazing and um, I'm super excited. That's not true, but I appreciate it. Well, it's, it's my I, opinion anyway. I'll stick to it. Um, can I close by saying yeah. that my whole flute philosophy, and I'm going to embarrass him flat out here, but my whole mentality, my whole ideology of flute, I pieced together having watching Pete Crawford live his life. So, really? PDP, I've made a living out of you for the last 15 years. And <laughs> <laughs> now you're very blessed. Oh, uh, and look, I would 100% agree. Those those five things sum him up perfectly. He lives that. Um, and I think we yeah, could do yeah. a lot to just watch his life and 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 learn from how he treats people, treats others. And I'm just trying to I'm just trying to watch how he how he smacks the lip on waves. I'm just trying to figure that out. I've, I've watched him. I'm not a surfer, but I've watched him surf a few times. He can, yeah. like, I, I just see whitewash, and he all of a sudden gets in barrels that don't even exist. Yeah. Not exist. right. Not right. I, not I blame. Oh, no, maybe it's the Tim. Maybe maybe his his domination of the Tim Robard method. Maybe that's what's got him there. Well, apparently he's the second person to ever finish that program. Yeah, so, you know, crazy, crazy. He's not human. He is not human. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not at all. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, thanks, Scott. Appreciate your time, man. And, um, Thank you, mate. Whatever you do, and the single is released next week. Yeah, yeah. I, at this stage, it'll be out Thursday. It's um, yeah. it's a song called "You Can't See Black in the Dark," uh, and it'll be me and a guy called Ian Kenny from um, the band Birds of Tokyo we'll singing together. So. Um, hopefully you guys hear it and enjoy it. Excellent. Look forward to it. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, bro. You're a legend. Thank you, mate. Hey, I'm so thankful for Scott and the time he made available for me this week so that we could um, share this video with you. And I hope you found it really insightful. Um, just a reminder about the website that Scott mentioned in our conversation just then. It is www.australianstogether.com. Org. And I would just encourage you to jump on that website. Um, I've had a great look through it this week. It's really helpful. It's really helped me to educate myself on these issues. And so um, getting informed is really the first step um, in us becoming part of that solution. Um, so C3CH, what does this mean for us as a church moving forward? What does this mean for me moving forward? Well, I want to read directly from this because I think um, what I've written here is, is something I want to commit to. And what I've written here is something that I would um, strongly ask you to join me as a church in committing to. Um, I want to actively pursue reconciliation with others. I want us to be a, an all-inclusive church. That we'd be accepting and tolerant of people who don't look like us, who don't think like us, who don't behave like us 
and even people that don't believe what we believe. That we be committed to being the hands and feet of Jesus, to bringing grace, love, peace, and compassion to our fellow humans, to be quick to listen and slow to offer our opinions, that we would do whatever we can to understand and empathize with others, to serve and love our neighbor as ourself, regardless of the color of their skin or the country of their origin. We commit to being part of the solution by actively engaging in in the flute acronym that Scott just um, gave us so beautifully, which is forgiveness, love, understanding, tolerance, and empathy. And if we can wake up each and every day and put on, like I put these glasses on every day so I can see the world in a clearer way. If we can grab off the side of our bedside table every morning forgiveness, if we can grab love, if we can grab um, understanding, if we can grab tolerance, and if we can grab empathy every day and let those be the lenses with which we see this world, then we are absolutely positioning ourselves to be in a place of providing um, the care, the love, um, and and the compassion that Jesus came to this world uh, to set us free from the sin of this world to then give to other people freely. And so that is what we are committed to uh, as a church. That is what I'm committed to as uh, as a man, as a father, to lead my household in this way, as a pastor to lead our church in this way. And um, as I said earlier, I am embarrassed and ashamed of myself for um, not being as proactive as I need to be around this issue um, and ashamed of myself for only uh, having an awareness of me rise up because of what's happening in a country far, far away. And we should absolutely be appalled by what's happening over there. We should be praying for our American brothers and sisters and, and, and somehow be a part of the solution there. But first and foremost, we've got a bunch of stuff that we could be looking at right here in our own country and in our own city to serve and love our indigenous brothers and sisters. And so I'm committing to that, to becoming more informed, to becoming slower to speak and quicker to listen and so that I can be all who Jesus has called me to be as an ambassador of his grace, love, and mercy on this planet. And so um, I want to pray for us as a church moving forward um, that we would truly uh, capture this message, that we would be unified as one body of believers with the one thing in mind, to love our neighbor as ourself. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much. Lord, that what we've learned in the book of Romans so far really has prepared us for this right now, that, uh, that we have an understanding of the bigness of what you've done inside of us and that that should then expel any prejudice inside of us, any, uh, anything of, of pride or piety that might see other people that are different to us as less than. Lord, that we would see it as an open playing field, that it's your grace and mercy that is made available for anyone who will call upon your name. And Lord, for those of us who have accepted you, that we would run in the same spirit as you, that same spirit of reconciliation, of of love, of grace, of acceptance of people. Uh, We would just be agents of your love and grace all over this planet and that we would start right here in Coffs Harbor and the surrounding areas. Lord, would you give us strength um, to, uh, to continue to, to, to commit to this? Would you give us discipline to put aside our preferences and see the bigger picture? And Lord, I pray that you would use us mightily, that you would grow the church, expand the church, uh, Lord, through our ability to lay down our life and serve other peoples like you lay down your life to serve us. Lord, would you bless every family? 
Lord, you bless every child, every mother, every father, every single person in our church. Lord, that we would just go forth and be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, I know it was um, a bit different today, and I just really felt a burden on my heart to uh, not allow this to be a you know business as usual online church, but um, really wanted to speak into this, that you would hear my heart, you would hear uh, my, uh, my words uh, around these issues. And um, so next week, we're excited to, to bring the new format, bring all the new things we've been working on so hard behind the scenes to you because you deserve the best and we want to bring you the best. Um, so God bless you. Have a great week um, and uh, make sure you st- stay around in the chat bar and we'd love to connect with you there. So, hey, God bless you and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about our online services, visit c3ch.online.church and come say hi on Facebook and Instagram.